You're listening to Chen Podcast. Don't forget to share and leave a review. My prayer is that you are always blessed and edified by what you hear, exhorting you to meditate on the beauty of God. Grace and peace, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Hen Podcast. Of course, as you know, I'm your host, Deandra. Today, I want to talk about something. Um, well, tonight, it's actually 11 p.m. Um, I want to talk about something that is very concerning to me um, and that is potentially, not even potentially, actually, seriously, legitimately harmful um, towards believers. Um, and I feel like there are multiple sides of it in different Christian circles, um, but we need to be biblical about it. And this topic that I want to bring up is demonology. Um, now, there are different types of studies in the Bible. You can learn about, you know, theology, which is the study of God, theology proper, um, which is, you know, learning about God's attributes. Um, you can learn about angelology, which is the study of angels, demonology, the study of demons, um, Christology, the study of the person and work of Christ. Um, and you also have the study um, of the of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not sure how to say it, it was like pneumatology, I think. Um, but there's different things that you can study. But I, honestly, in my personal opinion, demonology is the last thing I'm worried about, the last thing I want to study. The only thing I want to look at is what the scriptures say about them. You know, what are they? And um, how do they attack us? And how can I rest in the power of God, throw myself upon his power, um, put on my spiritual armor, like Ephesians 6 says, um, wield to the word of God, wield the word of God and submit to God um, in order to to resist the enemy, to flee, um, and to run to, to God, my refuge. Um, that's the only way I'm ever going to look at it <laughs> in the scriptures. Um, so first, let's just really talk about what demonology is. Like I said, demonology is the study of demons. What are demons? Demons are fallen angels. So really, when you're getting into the study of demonology, biblically, it is the study of what um, demons are and how they attack us. So like I just said, they are fallen angels. Um, they tempt us to sin. And there are other things that they do as well. Um, but it's not something for us to be obsessing over and studying more than we study um, the greatness and the beauty of God. Um, so it's really a study of what the Bible teaches about them. Now, the reason why I have a concern about this, I'm going to actually bring up why I even wanted to talk about this topic. Um, so as we know with this whole Jada and Will Smith situation where Will Smith... Um, went up on stage and smacked Kiss Rock for saying something about his wife. Um, and in response, Denzel Washington says, when you're at your highest, be careful because that's when the de devil attacks you. So there was a brother who posted a video on Instagram um, about this, and he said the devil attacks you irrespective of if you're a Christian or not. He attacks you irrespective of whether you're high in life, middle, or low. And it's true. Satan attacks everybody. He hates everyone. Um... And he especially attacks us. He especially attacks Christians, um, regardless of where you are in life. And it's always this idea that, oh, the devil kicks you while you're down. It's always this idea that Satan oppresses you and he gets you. He tries to get to you when you're at your highest in life so that you can fall down. No, 
he is evil and he is wicked he hates all mankind and he's going to do everything that he can to make god make them not see god as he truly is in scripture to make them see god as a lie to make them see god as not glorious to exalt himself in this world um and to continually uh keep them in their sins and keep them dead and in, in, in their depraved nature um he's going to work against the kingdom of god and work against god himself satan hates humans he hates us um so he attacks us irrespective of where we are in our lives and that's something that we need to know and understand so um this whole idea about oh satan attacks you while you're down uh, or when you're at a high point in life that's when he comes with all these personal attacks like no um and the reason for us christians is to be careful not to one ascribe things to satan um giving him too much power and to two also know that we are no match for him <laughs> without christ without the power of christ without the power of god dwelling in it, in us we actually have no power to defeat satan at all and this is why i'm totally against the whole um rebuking and casting out demon thing because you yourself have no power um to do that but it is christ who does and I think we forget and we don't look at the biblical story to see why was Jesus casting out demons and why were the disciples able to cast out demons. Um, one being Jesus's works were to, to, to actually prove or in fact testify that what he said of himself is true. Um, demons being cast out, Jesus being able to cast out demons was to show that his, he's absolutely sovereign and he has rule over them. Um, it was to testify or to make a proof that he is God. He is the son of God. He has the power to do so. Um, and nobody else has that power but Christ. Christ was the one who exacted that power to the disciples and the other 70. Um, if Christ had not done so, they wouldn't be able to do so. So now all of a sudden we think that we have this same power and this same authority to cast out demons but yet it's interesting because outside of the gospels and outside of acts demon uh exorcisms or casting out demons um is not something that's ever mentioned again in the rest of the new testament outside of the actual account of what happened during jesus's life and through during the early church ministry um whether it be from paul um or whatever luke was recording in acts um, we don't see anything about how to, to cast out demons. We don't see anything about pleading the blood of Jesus. We don't see anything about rebuking demons. We don't see anything about praying um, to Satan and talking to Satan in prayer. We don't see any of that stuff in scripture um, or in the New Testament at all. So it's very interesting where we get all these things and where we get these ideas from. And it's something, and I'm not attacking people who do this thing. Just look in the scriptures and, and affirm what you're doing and make sure that what you're doing is actually right um because what you may think is defeating satan is actually magnifying satan and you're making his name more known than god's um and that's something that we have to be careful about so the first thing i want to do um i want to actually open some scriptures to you i have my bible in front of me so you're going to hit me flipping some pages um but i just really want to read first john 4 4 in your hearing i used to hear this all the time and i never knew what it meant until i truly started to study the scriptures so first john chapter 4 verse 4 says little children you are from god and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he 
who is in the world or greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world so who is it that is in you the holy spirit if you are a believer and who is it that is in the world satan so greater is the spirit of god that lives in you than satan who is in this world so what does this mean one it means that uh, not depression uh, possession is not possible for a true Christian. Um, why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells you, his temple belongs to you, and he most, his, your temple belongs to him, and he most certainly will not share a temple with Satan. And we know that because Corinthians talks about how what fellowship does light have with darkness or Christ with Belial. Um, so obviously the Spirit is not going to dwell in a believer and also have Satan dwelling in a believer. And when I brought this point up, a lot of people say, oh, well, he abides in your soul and Satan can abide in your body, blah, blah, blah. But that's not even biblical. That's not what's taught by the scriptures. The scripture nowhere says that a Christian has ever been um, a Christian who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, been born again and regenerated, made a new creature, Second Corinthians 5, 17. It never says that they were possessed by a demon. Never, ever ever it never says that the only time we see demon possession um we see it in the gospels when we're looking at the new testament we see it in the gospels and these people have not yet been born again or been uh believed on the lord jesus christ for salvation yet why because christ had not even yet uh been <laughs> on the cross yet he wasn't even crucified yet when that was happening um and even in the book of acts um those people who they were casting demons out of they also were not believers they were not christians um and a lot of people like to use old testament accounts um or something like the story of saul for example how god sent a spirit to terrorize him it never says that that spirit possessed him um it was oppressing him and it was allowed by god because of saul's disobedience so it's just a lot that is just clouded up into this and we don't clarify our doctrine with the scriptures and that's why we're also all over the place and we just believe whatever has been taught to us or whatever we think is true. So the first thing to understand is that Christ has no fellowship with Belial, light has no fellowship with darkness, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you yourself cannot be indwelt with it with a devil you can't be demon possessed as a true believer in christ jesus because you have been made a new creature and the holy spirit now indwells you and he will not share a temple with evil um god the scriptures even talk about how god does not tolerate sin he does not dwell with the wicked um he absolutely cannot for he hates it and his holiness will in fact destroy it um so it's not possible so that's one thing we must understand as believers now um as far as the study of demons when we're looking at demonology should a christian study or should they not i particularly think it depends on what you mean by demonology demonology is the study of what the bible teaches about demons not what christian deliverance ministers came up with about demonology like for example people say oh the spirit of kundalini the spirit of leviathan uh the spirit of jezebel these are not things that are taught about doctrinally in the scriptures and it doesn't even coincide or relate or come from any of the teachings of the apostles nor jesus himself um and it's like, oh, the spirit of Leviathan, it's a steal it's a stealing spirit, it's a lying spirit, it's a prideful spirit, blah 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 blah. Um 
and that's a problem <laughs> that is a major problem because um that's not how it's taught in the scriptures um the scriptures simply say demons are fallen angels they like to attack christians it tells us what they are which is fallen angels um they do possess people yes but they do not possess christians however they can influence us how Be- by us not resisting the enemy and giving into temptation by us not mortifying sin in our lives yes they can influence us um to give into sin but all that is required is godly counsel godly sound biblical counsel repentance and confession of that sin and to to be um constantly in the fire of the gospel of jesus christ um that's what's needed not a deliverance minister not somebody cast a demon out of you not somebody to plead the blood of jesus over you no you need the word of god the spiritual armor repentance of your sin confession of your sin and continue on um walking by the spirit that's what's needed so we have to be so very careful um so what does the bible actually tell us to do when dealing with satan does it tell us to plead the blood of jesus does it tell us to rebuke him um does it tell us to cast him out does it tell us to address him in prayer and say i come against you and i you need to be bound and changed does it say any of that no let's go look at what james 4 verses 7 says let's go to james chapter 4 i actually need to go back because that's before first john and before titus i believe definitely after Ephesians I know that and we got our Thessalonians we got Timothy and then we got Titus I think Hebrews and then James James 4 7 says submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you now let's also look at what first peter 5 says first peter 5 8 and 9 first peter 5 8 and 9 says be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood through the whole world so the scriptures tell us to resist him how are we to resist him by using scripture to expose his lies and his temptations um a lot of people don't read the actual scripture in context and especially something like james where it talks about how um our desires our temptations actually come from our desires um so satan cannot tempt you if you don't have a desire first um so our temptations come from our desires and when temptation um it gives birth to sin when we choose to give into it and that sin gives birth to death Um, but we are to flee that temptation we are to resist the enemy by using the scripture to expose Satan's lies to expose his his wickedness to expose his temptation so that we may be able to resist him and he will flee so this is just studying 
these things, studying what we are supposed to do um, in response to Satan and his minions or demons. Um, studying this, it reminds us to stay close to Christ, to keep watchful, um, to put on the whole armor of God, to be in the scriptures. And here's the most important one. Pray. Pray for strength. Pray. That's why Jesus said, that's literally why Jesus says, deliver us from evil. Protect us from the evil one, Lord. Who's going to protect us from the evil one? Ourselves? Who's going to protect us from the evil? Us saying the blood of Jesus? No, the Lord is the one who protects us from evil. And that brings me to the point of saying this. We attribute so many things to Satan and say, Satan caused this, Satan caused that. I need to rebuke him. I need to uh, be a prayer warrior and go to war against Satan in prayer and etc. But we're completely missing out on the fact that God is sovereign, meaning he is in complete control and he has the right to be in complete control of all, over all his creatures and demons are creatures because God originally created them as angels. They are created beings. Um, and now they are fallen angels. Um, God is sovereign over them. They cannot do anything without God's permission. They cannot move. They cannot touch anything. They cannot do a single thing unless God so allows. How do we even have, how do we know this? A biblical example. When you look at the story of Job, did God not give Satan permission to do what he did to Job? Satan would not be able to do that unless God had allowed him. So a lot of the times we think when things are going wrong in our lives or when we're going through afflictions or something's happening to our car, something has happened at our job, we think that Satan is attacking us and we need to rebuke him. But when you actually look at the story of Job, God actually allowed Satan to do that for a reason. So often God allows Satan to do some things um, so that we will depend on God all the more. Um, and even God himself afflicts us to discipline us so that we may, we may share in his holiness. So we attribute too many things to Satan um, that aren't even him. It's really us. And this is kind of where I want to bring up what, um, this idea that we think that blaming Satan and demons... Um, is going to solve our problem. It's almost like we're dismissing our own responsibility for sin and we're thinking that this Christian life is absent of affliction. So let's talk about this responsibility for sin. Now, I've seen this a lot and I'm not saying this to attack anybody. I'm not saying this to come against anybody or to speak wrongly against um, someone. But I see this a lot where if somebody has a habitual sin in their life, it's immediately ascribed to a spirit that's dwelling in them and that needs to be cast out of them. But how is it that we forget that in the garden... Adam and Eve died because they disobeyed the Lord's command. Let me see if I can actually go to uh, Genesis and find the command that God actually said in Genesis 2 to them. Um, because God warned them of the repercussion of their actions. He surely did and they still disobeyed him anyway. Let us see. In Genesis chapter 2 verses 16 and 17, God says to man, 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. What does this mean? Not only physical death, but spiritual death, eternal separation from God. Separation from God, your spiritual life, you are now spiritually dead. You have a sinful nature. You are bound to your nature, meaning you absolutely have no power and no Abs- you have no way of choosing God. How do we know this? Because Romans 3 tells us that no one seeks for God. No one does good. No one is righteous. No, not even one. Even Genesis 6 talks. Let's go to Genesis 6, bro. We're just going to be all up in the scriptures today. Where is it in Genesis 6? Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let me give you even more evidence. Where's the book of Job at? Let's look at Job 15. Job fifteen sixteen. how much less one who is abominable and corrupt, a man who drinks injustice like water. Other versions say drinks iniquity like water. This is our nature. We drink iniquity like water. We literally think on things that are continuously evil. Our hearts, our intentions, continuously evil that is our human nature and where did we get that from because of the sin that happened in the garden so not only do we inherit this sin nature as a result of adam and eve's sin the sin of our first parents but also we we desire to follow our nature our nature desires to do sinful things that are contrary to the law of god and we do them and we love doing it until god has regenerated our hearts to see the absolute abhorrency of our sin um in light of his holiness or in comparison to his holiness so it's in our nature to actually do these things you have a habitual sin of lying you have a habitual sin of stealing you have a habitual sin of uh, uh sexual immorality you have a habitual sin of um uh, uh watching pornography it's because of that's your sinful nature and that's not to say that you shouldn't be mortifying your sin in your life in life as a Christian. You should. You actually should absolutely fear that sin because you are sinning against the Holy God. And sinning against the Holy God will cause you to be sent into the eternal flames of hell forever. Um, unless you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But even then, a true fruit of a Christian is one that continues in repentance. One that is being sanctified one that sins less and less and less over time those sin will not be absent from their lives um it is they're one that continues in confessing their sins continues on in confession so through this people are like oh you lie you have a habitual sin of lying or you have a habitual sin of sexual immorality you have a spirit of lying in you and it needs to be cast out you have a sexual spirit or um, a succubus or an incubus spirit residing in you. So you need to have that cast out of you. No, what you need to do is get down on your face before God, repent, confess, um, turn from that sin um, and use the word of God to help you to overcome that sin do what you must walk by the spirit to mortify that sin in your life 
absolutely flee any situation that's going to tempt you to do that sin. Um, don't even put yourself anywhere or in any circumstance or in around any person that's going to cause you to do that sin. Um, that's what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to resist the enemy by using the scriptures to expose his lies and temptations. And that's why James um, ha- is such a wonderful account because it talks about how um, sin gives... Temptation gives birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death, but it also talks about do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So what is that telling us? It's telling us that God gives us good and perfect gifts. So we don't have to accept the counterfeit that Satan is presenting, that the demons are presenting through temptation to sin. We don't have to accept that counterfeit because God gives us good gifts. So how do we overcome that? We use the scriptures to expose Satan's lies and his temptations. How do we do that? Meditating on the promises of God. <laughs> and delighting in um, in God himself and exposing ourselves to the constant beauty and glory of God himself and his promises. So that our hearts are full of it. So that our meditation is upon it. So that it may be stored up in our hearts so that we will not sin against him as the psalmist says. So it's not casting out a demon. It's not getting a deliverance minister that helps you to get out of sin. It is repentance. It is confession. It is throwing yourself upon the mercy of God. It is um, mortifying sin in your life um, by the spirit that is helping you to come overcome it. And also even saying that it's a spirit or a demon that's causing you to sin, you're completely um overlooking first john 1 8 where it says no one is without sin and if you say you are you're a liar you're responsible for your own sin how do i know how do we know that we're responsible for our own sin because god sends the sinner to hell to pay the punishment for their sins he doesn't send a demon to hell for our sins he sends them to hell for their sins Um, God sends us to hell for our sins so if our sins were the fault of demons we wouldn't be condemned for them So we must keep in mind that we are responsible for our own sins, not demons. um, And this is not what demonology is, um, according to the scriptures. Now, let's talk about the absence of affliction. Now, a lot of people think that being a Christian means that you won't experience any problems, that you won't experience affliction, that things will be easy for you, that you won't experience hard times. A lot of people think that um, having issues with your finances or having issues with your car, having issues with anything is because of a demon a lot of a lot of things that we experience financially is because of our own financial decisions and we are not good stewards over the money that god has given us um and oftentimes god will even cause us to be afflicted in that area so that we do not become dependent on ourselves so that we do not become um dependent on the things of this world and so that our hearts are not captured by these things because i'm telling you much prosperity in this life will lead you to sin against the heavenly father um and i've experienced high times in my life where i've had money and i was able to get whatever i wanted and needed and then i experienced times where i was low and i didn't have money and i've learned how to be content and i am learning how to be content in either circumstance why because god has always given me what i needed Um, And even when you look in the New Testament, inflection is not absent. Sorrow is not absent. Um, Problems in this life are not absent. Even if you were to look and read as to why God allows sin to remain in believers. Look at it. Look it up from Thomas Boston. 
Um, and you're going to see the that God is extremely and infinitely wise. He is so smart. Um, but it's ultimately for God to get more glory, but also for us to remain humble. So, I, and also, let's not forget that God often afflicts, but he doesn't afflict from his heart. That's what Lamentations 3 says. So God does afflict, but he doesn't do it from his heart. Meaning, God doesn't um, delight in afflicting us. He doesn't get joy out of that. He's not happy to afflict us, but God does want us to share in his holiness. He cares much more about our sanctification than our comfort. God wants us to be conformed to the image of his son, and he does use affliction to do that. He does discipline us so that we will share in his holiness. That's what Hebrews 12 tells us. That's not demons. That is God. So we must remember that we are responsible for our own sins. The Christian life is not absent of affliction, and God is sovereign. So in the study of demonology, understand these things. Demonology is a study of what the Bible teaches about demons. But you also need to understand the character and the nature of God and how he works in our lives so that you're not blaming everything on demons and that you're actually taking responsibility um, for your sins. So... I want to wrap this up by talking about whether we are to rebuke um, Satan or address him in prayer. So let's look at Matthew 6 um, as far as prayer goes. So Jesus, he teaches in Matthew 6. He gives us a model of prayer. Um, This does not mean that we are to, to pray this exact prayer every time. But he is teaching us how we are to pray, meaning we are to address God as Father. His name is to be hallowed. Um, we are to pray that God's kingdom comes and that his will is done, meaning that the advancement of his kingdom will be furthered and that we will submit it to the will of God as angels do in heaven um, and that his will will continually be done on this earth. Um, we are asking for God's provision. We are asking God's forgiveness of our sins. Um, And we are asking for his help to forgive others because the grace that God shows to us influences us. Um, It puts a love in our hearts where we're able to exact forgiveness to other people. Um, And we're also asking God to deliver us from temptation when it presents itself or to keep us from it altogether and to protect us from the evil one. So Jesus says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. No mention of Satan here. Why do we mention Satan when we pray? Why are we saying, Satan, and I come against you, and I rebuke you, and I bind you in the name of Jesus? Nobody prayed like that in the scriptures, ever. Nobody. I promise you, I am fully confident in this, that nobody has ever prayed that way in the scriptures. Um, I'll give you an example. Daniel 9, when he prays to the Lord, he, he confesses his sins and the sins of his people. No mention of Satan. David, when he sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he didn't blame a demon for his sin. He confessed his sin, and he said, Lord, um... I was conceived in iniquity. I was conceived in sin. Um, He says, and he confesses his sin and gives, holds himself accountable, um, making it known that this was his sin that he did and that he committed a God and against God only. So look at the model prayers of the Bible. Look how the Lord taught us in Matthew 6. There is no mention of 
of Satan in prayer. So we are not to mention Satan in prayer. We shouldn't even waste our breath talking about him or to him. We shouldn't waste our breath talking to him. We should be talking to God um, about him and asking God for his will to be done and asking God for us, asking God for help. Why not just ask God, Lord, help me to resist the enemy. Lord, help me to flee temptation. Lord, um, help me to be watchful and mindful um, because I know that the enemy desires uh, to make me sin against you. I know that the enemy presents temptation in my life. So help me, Lord God, to withstand it. Help me to stand firm on your word. Help me to use scripture to expose his lies and temptations. Help me to put on the full armor of God, Lord God. Um, and we are to rely on his power because we don't have power. It's always a good idea to put God between you and Satan because you have no power. If you are put in front of Satan without Christ, um, with all his devices, you will easily be defeated. Easily. He far outsmarts you. He's been living much longer than you. He, in fact, knows human behavior very well. That's why he's so able to tempt us. He comes as an angel of light. (laughs) So it's easy for us to be deceived without Christ. That's why we need wisdom and discernment from the scriptures. That's why we need to be in the word of God. That's why we need this Holy Spirit. Um, We stand no chance against him. So what makes us think that we have the power to bind him, to cast him, to do all these things we are not god we are not sovereign we didn't create satan we have no control over him but guess what god does and we can submit ourselves to god and resist the enemy and it's important for us to understand what james said there you cannot resist the enemy if you don't submit to god disobedient unsubmissive christians have no power to resist the enemy and they are easily defeated by him so they must be put together you must submit to god you must obey him um and then you will be able to resist the enemy now, the last thing I want to talk about is rebuking the enemy. Well, let's look at what Zechariah chapter 3 says. And then let's also look at what Jude one nine says. If I can actually hit Zechariah. Zechariah is one of the prophets. We know this. I know this is long, but it's so important important for us to know so Zechariah chapter 3 verse 2 actually let's start at verse 1 then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him and the Lord said to Satan the Lord rebuke you O Satan the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you is not this a brand plucked from the fire the Lord rebukes Satan who else has ever rebuked Satan in the scriptures but the Lord himself? The Lord rebukes Satan here. So now let's go to Jude 1 9. Jude 1 9. I promise you I'm editing this episode soon, but this is just so important, and I think we just need to really talk about this. Jude 1 9 says. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. If even the angel puts the Lord between him and Satan, and the Lord himself rebukes Satan in Zechariah 3, we are to do the same. The Lord is the one who rebukes Satan. Also understanding what the word rebuke means. It doesn't mean to cast out. It doesn't mean to make go away. It actually means to correct. The Lord is the one who rebukes Satan and makes him silent. We don't. 
So all of this rebuking Satan, binding him, blah, 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 none of that is told for us. None of that is taught for us. We are to submit to God, resist the enemy, put on the full armor of God. We are to wield the word of God. We are to rely on his power through prayer. And that is how, how we defeat Satan. So should a Christian study demonology? I think it's a good idea. But making sure you're doing so biblically, which is studying what the Bible teaches about them. To know what they are and how they attack us so that we know how to resist the enemy. It will help us and teach us how to resist him. It will teach, help and teach us how to overcome him and his temptations. It will remind us to stay close to Christ um, and to keep watchful. Um, but the most important part of it all is submitting to God. Um exposing ourselves constantly to the promises of God so that we won't buy into the temptations of Satan. So if you decide to study demonology, okay, but pray and make sure um, that you are doing so biblically. Pray and ask God for wisdom and discernment. Um, And do not let this become a main thing in your life. We are to study and delight in the Lord God, our Savior, the Lord God, our Father. That is who we are to study and delight in. it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And who we know is what we love. The more we know God, the more we love him. So our heart's desire should be to study God, to study his works, to study his nature, to study his character and continue growing in love for him. So think upon these things, meditate upon these things, um, share this with others and know that, yes, it's okay to be aware uh, of Satan, uh, what he is. It's okay to be aware of what demons are and how they attack us. But it is not for us to have an obsession with them. It is not for us to go into learning all their attributes and uh, attributing our sins to them. No, we are to study it as the Bible teaches it. So I pray that you all um, were edified by this, and I'll see you in the next episode. Grace, peace, and love.